This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Man, on New Year's Eve, I begin to share with you four things that I believe are important that are required if we're gonna see new beginnings in a reset, rivers in the desert in our life. And the first thought that we began to look at was that we must clarify our priorities. Today, I wanna take a few minutes and just look at that and what does that mean for you and I? Well, if you haven't seen already, I've got Amber. Amber just kind of spin around and wave at everybody. Amber's going to be just kind of painting in the background here. We're talking about clarifying priorities. And today I want to unpack what it is and how does it look in our lives so that we can see this new thing begin to happen in our hearts and our spirit. And I hope that you'll get this into your spirit, that it'll be prophetic for you, that there is a reset coming and that we as the people of God will embrace it. Just say that word with me. I embrace it. We receive it. We embrace it. We see it in the spirit. We take hold of it by faith in the spirit. We embrace it. We hold on to it and we pull it down. And when we pull it down into the natural, we're pulling it down through our faith, through our obedience and walking it out. And it starts with priorities in our life. Now, if you've got our app, you can turn uh, to our app and get the outline. Take notes this month. I believe that this will be a series that'll set us all year long. Look with me if you have your Bibles or in your notes to Proverbs 4.23. Let's just talk about these priorities and, and how do we reset our hearts? Because what God is desiring more than anything is your heart. He wants your heart and he wants you and I to understand the power of our priorities. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart above all else, for it determines, underline that, circle it, highlight it in your app, it determines the course of my life. The heart is the seat of our emotions. The heart is our mind, our will, it is our emotions. It's the heart, and here the Lord, a very popular verse, is reminding us that we've got to guard our hearts. Why? Is because it's going to set the course. It's going to determine for you and I the course of our life. Out of the heart, we speak. Out of the heart, we move, we act. It's the intentions of our heart. Very first memory verse I really ever memorized, and I'm glad it was this one, is Matthew 6, He will, I'm gonna read from the Living Translation, he will give you all, you need from day to day if you live for him and make what the kingdom of God your primary concern. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All I need. If I will set the priority of my heart on God, he's promising that everything I need will come. He will meet the needs of my life if It's a conditional promise. If I focus on God and make the kingdom of God my primary concern. 
So many things in life will pull me off and steal my focus and are fighting for the emotions of my heart. But if I will seek first the kingdom of God, make God's kingdom the primary concern of my life, then all I need, everything that I have worry about, the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, the things of this world, everything that's fighting to sit on the throne of my heart, if I will keep God's kingdom, the primary focus of my life, the priority of my heart, if I will protect my heart from the things of the world and seek the kingdom of God established here in my heart, then everything I need will be given to me. Can I hear an amen? on that one is that God you help my heart to stay focused on your kingdom now that catches me the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is God's will God's purpose God's kingdom is his plan his ways it's God's kingdom the kingdoms of this earth that we live on will not last In fact, uh, as I was researching, I Googled and and looked at the greatest kingdoms or empires in the world. And there are eight great empires of the world. And can I tell you, none of them exist today. But the kingdom of God is still in existence today. We're testimony of that today. We're testifying today that if we will keep our heart, our priorities on God's kingdom, then the kingdom of God that will last forever, God's kingdom will come and it will fill my heart and my life and God will add everything I need. Well, with that today, we wanna just continue to say, God, teach us. In this month, 2021, 2021, January, God, I want to begin to see a reset in many different areas of my life, of my heart, but especially spiritually. In Matthew chapter three and verse two, look at this verse uh, on on the screen or in your outline. It says, turn to God and do what? Change, underline it, the way you think and act. Turn to God, change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near. That word change is literally the word repent. In some translations, they use the word repent. Turn to God and repent. Turn to God and believe and turn to God and change the way you think and act because God's kingdom is near. So as we set up this thought and and, uh, we set up this month of reset, we're talking about something that will require change in Changing my my thinking, changing in the way I act, changing in what I believe, there is a change that's got to take place. And, 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 And it's not just adding a little bit of God into my schedule. It's not just putting a little bit of the ways of God into my, um, you know, into my calendar or into my week. No, there's got to be a complete change on the inside that, that I begin to see things differently and I begin to act 
differently because there is an anointing that God wants to release. And when that's released into my life, I can begin to live different and I can begin to walk with him differently. So in 2021, God, I'm praying that for us as a church and for believers, that there's going to be a a strength and an anointing that will help us to help us forgive, to help us love, to help us overcome temptation. Can I hear an amen on that one, right? A, a, a temptation that, that, that pulls us down and keeps us in guilt and shame and condemnation, that God would come and anoint us and empower us and enable us to live for him. Well, God's greatest desire for you and I, his greatest desire is that we think, that we change the way we behave, that we, 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 we change and look into the kingdom of the Lord. Amber back here is, is uh, uh, sharing with us the different priorities that we have in our life. Some of them might be priorities for you and, and some of them might be lesser priorities, but these are things that hit our lives. And God's greatest desire is that our priorities are clarified in our life. And his ultimate objective is that you and I become like Jesus. That we, if we are are going to protect the heart, our heart, we've got to be like Jesus. Write that into your notes. Now, being like Jesus, becoming like Jesus deals with our biblical virtues. It deals with the values, the, the qualities of our life. The question is, am I becoming like Jesus? God's greatest desire for me, his priority for my life, the number one priority is that I become like his son, Jesus Christ. Am I becoming a reflection of of the nature of Christ, uh, the character of Christ in my life? This month is an opportunity for me to reset these things in my life that will help me to become like Jesus, that, that, that he would be in me. You see, God wants to be in me and he wants to work on me before he can ever work through me or work for me. He's got to begin to do something in me. Unfortunately, in 2020, as we rewind and we look back on this last year, Unfortunately, many embraced a concept of their Christian life that was primarily intellectual. One of the things I love about gathering with the body of Christ, be it in a small group, in a house, uh, in, a, in a large setting, one of the beautiful things is that the presence of God is manifested among us, that we can sense him and feel him in our worship. We can express our love to him and we move from the intellectual and our heart begins to engage. Our emotions begin to enter in and all of a sudden, it's not just what I I know, but it's now something that I experience, and it's not primarily intellectual. I'm not just a spectator, but now I'm engaging, and I'm looking in, and I'm worshiping him with every part of my being. That's one of the things. That's why I love, that's why I love coming into the house of God. That's why I love when the people of God are gathering together. Again, large setting, small setting. It's better when we're together than when I'm alone. And I'm not talking about size. It could be three or four of us, or it could be a thousand of us, but we're together worshiping him and celebrating and spurring one another on. 
legacy, God's greatest desire for you and I, we cannot forget it, is God wants the virtues of Jesus to appear in our lives. The biblical word for virtues is fruit. He wants the fruit, especially of the spirit, to be evident in our lives. It's the primary evidence that you and I have the nature of Christ, is that you have the fruit of the spirit. I can say all day long that I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a Christ follower, that he's got the priority of my heart and my life. I can say that all day long, but the evidence You don't have to judge me. My life judges myself. The evidence of my life is the fruit in my life. Do I have the fruit of the Spirit? When you look biblically, these virtues, the fruit, is not only an inward fruit of the Spirit, but it's a fruit of righteousness. Righteousness, I am in right standing. I am walking in obedience. I can say all day long, I'm a Christ follower. I can say all day long that Christ is the priority, God is the priority of my life. But if I don't walk a life of obedience, a life of righteousness, then the fruit of my commitment is lacking the fruit of my character, the the fruit in my life. Now, Jesus said it this way. Turn with me over to John 15. John 15. I love this passage because Jesus teaches us the primary way that we become like Jesus, that, that we begin to reflect the fruit of the Spirit, which is the nature of Christ, is by abiding in him. Look how he says it in John 15 and verse 1. I'm reading from the Living Translation. I am the true vine, grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He, Father God, cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't matter if I say that I'm a Christ follower. If my life does not show the fruit, he cuts off every branch of mine and prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. So God is pruning me and working on me. Difficulties and trials and pain and circumstances have purposes that God is using. 2020 has a purpose of what God is going to do with it in my life. Did he cause it? No, he doesn't cause it. He doesn't cause the pain. He allows it, but he uses it to do something within me. And so when I walk through these seasons, they're pruning times. They're times of preparation. It's in these times that God has a greater work that's going to come from the fruit of my life. And so he says that this fruit will produce even more fruit. Verse three, you have already been pruned and are purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. That word also is abide in me. We've got to learn to remain, to abide in the presence of the Lord. 
If I'm going to be like Jesus and it's his ultimate, God's ultimate desire, it's the number one priority that God desires for my life is that I be like Jesus. If I'm gonna become like Jesus, I must abide in him. If I will remain in him, if I will remain in him, it says, he says it this way, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is what? Severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain, abide in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. Not just fruit, but now he says much fruit. Remember, what is fruit? Fruit is inward, fruit is righteousness, fruit is my character, there is an external fruit that will come, but when I abide in him, I become like Jesus, there is fruit that will come from my life. When I abide in him, I will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now what sticks out to me here is he's talking to those that were connected to the vine, but they were not drawing their strength and nourishment from the vine. They looked like they were connected, but the problem is, is they were not abiding. They weren't getting the nutrients, the strength, the refreshing, the empowerment. They weren't developing in their fruit inwardly so that it would produce outward fruit. Now I've been pastoring a long time, long time, full time, and I can tell you that there are many that are in the church, but they're not abiding and remaining in Christ. They're there, but they're not drawing the nutrients. They're not becoming like Christ. James says they hear the word, but they're not learning to do the word. They're not walking the life of obedience and righteousness. And so in 2021, the new beginnings and, and, and the desire of my heart is God, I would become like you and the ultimate priority that you have for my life is that I be like your son, Jesus. Now I've got to embrace it. It's gotta be more than something I hear. It really has to be more than just something I say amen to, but that's got to be something that gets into my spirit that says, God, I want fruit to come, fruit to come from my life. I am a branch and I want the, I want the nutrients that come from the vine to begin to grow through my life. The fruit of a tree is the evidence of the health of that tree. If it doesn't produce fruit, if it doesn't have it, then it is unfruitful. It might be attached. Have you ever walked through a forest or, or uh, seen a tree and you, and you grab a branch, it's attached, but it's actually dead. It just breaks off. It's still attached, but there's no life, there's no strength to it. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about, is that you can be attached to the vine, but you can actually be unfruitful. And it's the, it goes back to what we talked about New Year's Eve in the parable of the sower. Seed that gets sown, it doesn't take root and it doesn't grow to bring within me change, that I change the way I think, the way I act. It brings that strength that I need to be what God wants me to be. Let me share one more verse before I go to the second goal of becoming like the Lord, the priority that he has for me. Second Peter, look how Peter says it here. Second Peter chapter one and verse five. 
For this very reason, make every, now I, I, I pause because there, we're jumping into the middle of chapter one. And Peter had been saying some other things and now he's making a point because of what he said. I don't have time to go into all of it. He said, but for this very reason, make every effort, underline that, to add to your faith goodness. Another word for goodness is virtue, inner fruit, to add goodness to your life, to goodness knowledge. Now these are desirable qualities. In fact, this is a very important passage because this passage talks about the qualities and the virtues of one who abides in Christ, a Christ follower, a believer. And so he says, add to your faith goodness and knowledge, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. Boy, we have learned some perseverance in 2020. We've grown stronger through 2020 because we're adding perseverance. And to perseverance what? Godliness, righteousness, and to godliness brotherly kindness and the brotherly kindness agape love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure it got to be increasing God's ultimate desire is I be like his son and here Peter is showing that it's got to be increasing in my life what increases goodness virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness agape love for if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I could preach a whole series, week after week, right out of this verse right here. That's why it's one of the most important verses in, in all of the New Testament for developing a faith, a faith that shows that we have the qualities and the character of Jesus Christ. So God's ultimate desire is first of all that I be like his son Jesus. But I can't be like him if I don't embrace the mindset of Christ. Which leads me to the second, the second priority in protecting my heart is that I've got to learn to think like Jesus. If being like Jesus deals with my virtues, my character, then thinking like Jesus deals with my beliefs. What do I believe? I cannot become what I don't believe. So it deals with my beliefs. Luke, Luke chapter six, verse 44 says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit, the DNA of that kind of fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You don't get apples from an orange tree is what he's saying. You don't get bananas, bananas from grapevines. That's what he's saying is it, it produces its kind. The good man brings good things. So he's making the comparison. If I think like Christ and becoming like Christ, then the fruit of my life will be good. The good that's stored up in my heart or the evil brings evil out of the evil stored up in one's heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, what I believe, 
what I embrace, what that, that, that what I take hold of will define what I become. And so if God's goal is that I become like Jesus, then I've got to learn to think like Jesus. I've got to learn his ways. I've got to understand his principles, lessons that we learn through scripture and through preaching and expounding the word of God is that which gets into my heart and begins to shape who I am and it makes a difference in my life. What I've learned a long time ago is we embrace, we embrace And when we embrace, it brings change. And let me say it another way. The belief that we embrace shows what we really believe. If I will embrace it, and I, when I'm embracing it, now it's showing that I truly, truly believe it. The Bible says, for uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It doesn't say, as a man thinks in his head, as he thinks in his heart, the seed of his emotion, what he thinks he will become. Look with me in your scriptures or in your outline to Colossians chapter two. Paul, again, Paul uh, is gonna help us understand this. He says, now, and now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, you trusted Christ to save him, trust him too for what each day's problems. Live in vital union, abide in him, remain in him, vital union with him. Let your roots, your roots what? Of your faith, of abiding him, grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you can go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all that he has done. Don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, with their wrong and shallow answers built on man's thoughts and ideas, but instead on what Christ has said. Now I know this is a theological point, but in 2021, I wanna challenge us, all of us, virtual audience and those that are gathering in the building, it doesn't matter that we begin to think like Jesus. See, there's core beliefs, there's core values that you must get anchored in. And I know that sometimes theology is not as inspirational. It may not be something that's as, as, as exciting as other moments, but it's vital that the root systems of what we are goes deep in him. And the only way we can go deep in him is that the core beliefs of what we think, who he is and the way he thinks becomes the same as me. Now, what does that mean, pastor? Well, there's core doctrines, there's core beliefs. The doctrine of God, the condition of man, the salvation of man, and, and, and what Christ became, the trinity of the Godhead, the Bible, and how it was established and, and rooted, and how it was put together, the end times and eternity, the, the, the spiritual gifts, the role of the church, all of these doctrines and, and these core beliefs of what we believe are vital more than ever, I think, in a time like this, where there's so many philosophies philosophies of the world that are coming in and confusing and mixing up the core doctrines of who God is and what God wants us to believe. 
You see, governments can approve and disprove things, but it doesn't mean it violates or it justifies what God has already said in his word. Just because a government may endorse it, we may be talking about America or Haiti or Jamaica or Austria or another country in the world. We cannot set our faith on what the government and what policies and politicians and the world says. We've got to set it on the word of God. There are core doctrines that you and I have got to get rooted in. They're vital for our faith. Now, those that don't know, we are an Assemblies of God church. And as an Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, we have 16 core doctrines or, or beliefs, uh, uh, core values of, 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 of who God is and all these things that I've been sharing with you about. And my challenge for us in 2021 is that we will go deeper in our faith and that we'll begin to learn the core truths of the Bible, that we will recognize it, we will know it, we will understand it, and therefore we get rooted deeper and deeper in him. So at the launch of 2021, what I've decided that we're going to do to help those that wanna grow and have a reset in your spiritual growth is that we're going to offer a, a Zoom class, a, a class by Zoom because of our, our time that we're in, where we can walk through each week one of those core doctrines where we can walk through it, we can have a, a, a time of study, we can grow, and we can begin to learn what does God want us to know about who he is and about his word and the core doctrines of our faith. It's gonna start on Zoom. We're gonna start it in the next couple weeks because I want you to know the truth. It'll be in the evening. You'll be able to log in from wherever you're at and you'll be able to study along and grow your roots. Since we're not doing Wednesday night services, we're not doing growth groups right now, I had to find another way that we can get to you the core values, the vital values that helps us think like Jesus. My challenge is that you'll determine I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to grow. I'm going to strengthen my faith. This is not in your notes, but in Proverbs chapter 2, in Proverbs 2 and in, in verse 2, it says, listen carefully for wisdom. Set your mind on understanding. Cry out for wisdom and beg for understanding. Search for it like silver and hunt for it like it's a treasure that you will understand and respect for the Lord and what he has so that you can know him in a deeper way. Well, that's what I'm hoping that all of us will do in 2021 is that it's not just another sermon. It's not just another uh, uh, a program that I go to, but there's a determination that I want to be like Jesus. And I'm gonna, if I'm going to be like him, I've got to think like him. Now, if you'd like to be a part of this class, this class then all you have to do, and we'll get out the information to you uh, in the next few days, but all you have to do is take your phone, your cell phone, and all you have to do is text the word RESET. The number's on the screen, text the word RESET. You'll get a link back that'll give us a, a, an opportunity to connect with you and tell you all of the details of when we're gonna start it and how it's gonna look over the next few weeks. But it's going to be a journey of growing in the faith and beginning to think like Jesus. The last and final thought I wanna leave you with before I teach you 
and, and help you to understand how we're going to do our 21 days of prayer and fasting this year. Is if I'm gonna protect my heart, to be like Jesus means I've got to embrace the truths of, uh, of the word and think like Jesus, but ultimately, being like Jesus and thinking like Jesus leads to acting like Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? If being like Jesus deals with my virtues, if thinking like Jesus deals with my beliefs, then acting like Jesus deals with my practice. How do I live it? What am I doing? Am I doing what God says to do? Is it coming out of my life? You see, the problem for many is they know it, but they don't live it. So we've got to know what does God desire if I'm going to protect my heart and make his priorities my priorities. So what should I do? If God is doing something inwardly, it's going to naturally begin to flow out of me. There's going to be something that's stirring and it flows, fruit that's ripe. You see, it's ripe, it's, it's calm, it's, it's developed on the vine, the branches. In fact, others can take it and they can actually eat it. You see, it takes something within us, a, a determination for you and I. Paul said, the, said it like this, that you and I are in a race and we're running for the prize. First Corinthians, we're running to get the prize. It's a race for us and we deny ourselves so that we can get that prize. See, if we're gonna act like Jesus, then there is something that happens inward that begins to come outward. As we've looked at the illustration as she's done it in the background. We got all these priorities in our life. But if the priority of my life is that Jesus is Lord, then the reality is that will impact every other priority in my life because Jesus is Lord. And how I act and what I believe when it comes to my family. If Jesus is Lord, when it comes to my family, then I want Jesus to influence the decisions of my family, of my life. As a young single man, can I tell you, I had already given my life to Christ. Jesus was already declared the Lord of my life. It determined the type of person that I would date and I would begin to pray about for being my spouse in the future. Why? Because Jesus was Lord. And it begins to drip into every area of my life. How I think, my mind, my thoughts, my belief system. Jesus is Lord. It's going to impact that. It's going to impact my marriage. It's going to impact my work. Man, for years I've watched people make decisions about their work and their career. And they might be good logical decisions. They might be something that's good for their work. But when it comes to Jesus being Lord, Boy, I couldn't see the drip of Christ coming through their decision-making. I couldn't see it. Does God want us to rest and have pleasures and fun? He does. But if Jesus is Lord, it's going to impact the kinds of pleasures and the kinds of things that I'm going to do. 
I've watched people choose sporting events over worshiping God and and, and being in the house of God and, and serving the Lord. I've watched them get on traveling teams with their children and be traveling weekend after weekend after weekend. And now they don't have time to serve God. They're not with the body of God. Am I against sports? No, I grew up playing sports. I played college baseball. I, I believe in that. I believe it's important that God gives us pleasure, but I also know that Jesus is Lord. That's the priority of my life. And if I'm going to live for Jesus, if I'm going to be like Jesus and think like Jesus, then I've got to act like Jesus. And at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. Just say that to yourself. It's something for you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. It's going to impact my finances. Do I believe in investments? Yes. Do I, do I, do I believe that God wants you to, 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 to live in prosperity that comes from him and favor from him? Yes, but Paul says, I was joyful with little or much. I was joyful. My joy was not dependent on the happenstances of my life. I sacrifice unto you, O oh God. And so my finances, I consecrate those to you. They're yours. You've given them to me, God. And you asked me to give back the tithe and give offerings. And my wife and I do both. We give a tithe. We give offerings. Our offerings go to kingdom builders and and, 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 and missions projects. And the tithe, we're faithful to do that. In fact, I love the automated because it goes out automatically. Not that I would ever forget, but it goes out automatically. And I know the first thing that I have done is I have consecrated our finances to the Lord. Now, what am I talking about? Jesus is Lord of every area of our lives. He's Lord of our ministry. He's Lord of everything. As we're walking through, raising our children and our our children are becoming teenagers and now young adults, I mean, we keep saying more than ever, Jesus is Lord and let the blood flow through them, oh God. Let the blood flow through them, right? Jesus is Lord. See, when Jesus is Lord of our life, it, it impacts the way I live. If I offend somebody, if I hurt somebody, then I have a responsibility to seek forgiveness, to make it right. Why Jesus is Lord. If I say, God, you are important to me, and yet I don't serve you, I don't spend time abiding in you, I I don't spend time with you, then the reality is I can say it, but the fruit of my life isn't there. Jesus is Lord. Over the next few weeks, over the next few weeks, we're going to be leading you as a congregation. We do it every year. I believe it's a very intentional part of our programming is that every year we walk through January we walk through 21 days of prayer and, and fasting. It's, it's a reset. It's a new beginning. It's a time for visions and, 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 and prophetic words. And it's a time for revelation. It's a time for stripping away. It's a time of getting things right, getting new commitments in my life. For example, saying, God, I want to grow deeper in you. 
I'm going to join that class. I'm going to text sell. I'm going to text that, that number reset. I want, to, I want to grow in you. I want to understand. It's a time, Father, that I'm believing for some things in my life. Praying, I'm fasting, I'm asking for revelation, decisions. There was a professor of mine in seminary. She actually taught one of our classes just a few months ago here, one of our Pentecostal doctrines classes. She made a transition. She was very effective at the seminary. God was leading her to make a transition in her life. And I was reading her newsletter of all that happened this year, her first year of transition. And she said, you know, I made a very difficult decision after two years of seeking discernment, a season of discernment of what was God saying. See, sometimes it's just soaking and waiting and listening. It's times of allowing God's word to penetrate. This year, we're not going to lead you to set faith goals. This year, we're gonna lead you to set what we're calling prophetic declarations. Because it's a new term, I wanna take a moment and just talk to you about it. We have a card on the screen. You can go ahead uh, over this week and download that card. It's a digital card. Next week, we will have physical cards for you. Those that are in the building or would like to stop by and get one, But if you'd like to get started this week, there's a downloadable version on our website that I'll give you in a moment. But what is a prophetic declaration? Very simply, prophetic declarations are the intentions of God. First of all, they edify, they uplift, they they encourage. It's God's perspective. God is speaking. We begin to receive it through a picture, through an inspiration, through a rhema word out of the word of God. It's something that jumps into our spirit, into the reality of what God wants to do. It gives us strength. It gives us faith. It's something that motivates us in what God desires. It's a prophetic declaration. It's a sound of the spirit, and it's a sound that's moving into our spirit. And we're believing as we take hold of it in the spirit that as we pray on it, as we declare it, it'll come into the natural. It anchors down into our spirit. Prophetic declarations releases, in in a sense, the intentions of God, and it begins to shift things in the natural and in the physical realm. When we begin to release a prophetic declaration, it's by the supernatural grace of God, that grace is released in that which we're declaring. Prophetic declarations and prayers are prayers that we're saying. They're they're prophetic declarations that are being made of the truths and the promises that we have found in Scripture. And as we have found them in scripture, they align, they fall in our spirit to that which we sense and believe. It's it's an infusion of the spirit that moves us and stirs us that that is what God wants to do in our life. So what we're gonna be leading you to do over this next month is through the 21 days, we want you to prayerfully be seeking and listening and, 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 and be receptive to the prophetic declaration that God has for you. Prophetic declarations will come out of the word of God. 
Over the next several days, this week, uh, I will post on this website some examples some examples that you can look at, but they come out of the word of God. They're biblical promises and blessings from God for our lives. And boy, as we begin to speak it out, it becomes powerful. The word of God is powerful and it's living and it impacts our life. It's blessings and abundance that God wants to give. And as we speak it, we're speaking just God's word, God's promises. It's more than just something I want, but it's something God is saying, I want to do in you. Because what I've learned is if Jesus isn't Lord, what I want may not be aligning to what he wants. And it might even seem like it's a good thing, but it might not be the God thing. It may not be the God thing. Candy and I loved Vienna. We loved pastoring in missions. We loved being there. And then all of a sudden, God began to work on us that there was a transition that was coming back to America in our lives. It started in me before it started in my wife. If you've been close to her, you've heard her talk about it. It started in me. God began to stir in me. Now, I was in ministry. I was doing what God wanted me to do. It was the work of my life. It was ministry. But because Jesus was Lord, it's God, I'm your servant. And wherever you want me, whatever you desire, wherever you want me, then God, give me the grace and give me the ability to walk in your will. So what I'm saying is sometimes these prophetic declarations, they might be good things, but what we're seeking is, God, what do you want? I may want to leave my job. I may want to stay at home. I may want to, you know, continue to, uh, you know, do some things that I've always been doing. And God may be saying, no, I want this. I may want to be going down that road. And God may say, no, I want you to stay still. You see, what I'm saying is we've got to just listen. And the prophetic word begins to come, the alignment of God's word. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So as prophetic declarations go forth, we're declaring it, we're praying it, we're expressing it, and as we do, heaven is hearing it, God is hearing it, and a shift begins to take place. Let me give you a couple examples here. A couple examples of prophetic declarations. Because God is my rewarder, there will be no more dry seasons in my life, my business, or my career. Comes out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and Revelation 22, verse 12. Here's another one. In 2021, as I walk in the fear of the Lord, I will be divinely guided into the realms of supernatural abundance and breakthrough, a prophetic declaration. Found out of Isaiah 58, verses 11 and 12, and Psalms 23, verses one through six. Here's another one. As I walk in obedience to the command of scriptures, my household will emerge as a family of giants. 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 30, or Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Here's another one. Because my God is a rewarder, there will be no more dry seasons. I already read that one to you. Someone needed it again. No more dry seasons in my business or my career. 
by my faith, here's another one, by my faith in the finished work of Christ, my health will be fully restored this year. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Matthew chapter eight, I am free from every form of sickness and disease this year. Matthew eight, verses one and two. Here's another one from Luke 13. Every spirit of infirmity tormenting my life is cursed right now. Prophetic declarations. Here's another one. Through my commitment to covenant practices, acting like Jesus, I will be financially free this year. Deuteronomy 8.18, 2 Corinthians 9.6. Two more. In 2021, as giving and receiving becomes my lifestyle, supernatural abundance will become my testimony. 2 Corinthians 8 and Philippians 4.15. And lastly, at least just a few, I'm gonna put some online for you. As I continue to serve God all through 2021, I will be singing breakthrough songs all the way to the very end. Psalms 126 verses one through six and Psalms 35 verse 27. These are decrees that as we speak them out, we begin to declare them over our lives, over our family, over the house of God. As we declare them, those words become extremely powerful. Remember again, the tongue has the power of life and death. You have the power to bless or curse. And we're gonna lead you this year to begin to bless. Bless your home, bless your life, bless your health, bless your spiritual walk, bless what God wants to bless in your life. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.